No one can take it away from you. Your team wins a game, it wins a game. Your team stays in contention, it stays in contention. But if anyone expects anything significant to come from what happened at Heinz Field yesterday, it's going to take a lot more from that defense. And that's saying something considering they played pretty well. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The Steelers did beat the Titans 19-13. The Steelers did earn that W against an opponent that had been challenging for the top seed in the AFC, came in here with a 9-4 and record, earned it, I say, earned it. There wasn't anything fluky or unusual or lucky about the defense generating four takeaways, three of those coming in the critical second half in which this comeback occurred. But my goodness, this defense is going to have to be all of that and then some. It's going to have to get back to that takeaway brand of football that we'd seen the previous couple of years. And it's going to have to do that even while it continues slowly, painfully at times. Patching up the still glaring holes in the run portion of that. Mike Tomlin himself openly spoke of the difference that he'd noticed between the game in Minneapolis and this one by saying, well, the one in Minneapolis, when we'd get gashed, it was for 20 yards. And in this one, it was for seven yards. And no, he wasn't saying that as if it was some sort of achievement. He was acknowledging it. And he should have been. To me, one of the Steelers' MVPs in this game was Mike Vrabel for insanely going away from the run in the fourth quarter when the Steelers clearly could not stop it. He should have just went boom, 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 boom right down the field instead of getting Ryan Tannehill and and his turnover-prone right arm into the mix. Made no sense. But, again, they did it. Credit to this defense. Credit to uh, the collective rotations and schemes that the coaches assigned, meaning principally, of course, Tomlin and Keith Butler. Can't just rip them when they mess up. There were a lot of different players involved in this. Guys like Isaiah Loudermilk were in there making routine tackles. Derek Tuska had a forced fumble. Who's Derek Tuska? You know what I mean? There was a lot of that, and it's... Always something that you acknowledge, I think, in fairness, the coaching staff for doing. I know everyone's mad at him and blah, 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 blah. But I'm talking about one specific thing. Devin Bush looked better. Notice that? Joe Schobert with a big pick. Joe Schobert showed up for work. Joe Hayden literally 
showed up for work, returning for the first time in a month, making maybe, maybe the tackle of the year in the NFL, given the circumstance. Minka Fitzpatrick was just amazing. And, and this has been a few weeks in a row now. This was supposed to be a one-dimensional player. Remember that? He was supposed to be just a takeaways guy. Didn't really like tackling. I remember that when he came over from Miami, both hearing and reading that. That was supposed to be a knock against him. He, he, he looks like he's okay with tackling. Terrell Edmonds' best game he's had all season and one of the best of his career. Talk about enjoying tackling. His timing and his toughness were exceptional. Who am I forgetting? Cam Hayward always, you know, there's Cam. Cam has to cover for a lot in there. Chris Wormley before he got hurt. Cam Sutton with the big pop in the back. How about Arthur Millette? Remember when that was supposed to be a big concern? I mean, I don't know that he's replaced what Mike Hilton was doing, but he's solidified the nickel corner role for sure. Everybody did their part. I leave anybody out? Oh, yeah, that guy. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Not all things are created equal in team sports, as much as the individuals involved would like to have you believe. So when you hear TJ praise everyone else on the roster for their respective performances, please do so with the understanding that all he contributed was one and a half sacks for 15 yards, breaking, by the way, James Harrison's franchise record for a single season with 17 sacks. Add in three additional quarterback hits and a fumble recovery and a tackle for a loss and five tackles overall. This despite, again, as I referenced earlier, and a smart move by the coaches, a regular rotation. There was a series late in the fourth quarter that Tuska started ahead of TJ. TJ was just standing on the sideline. And he had some other things happen to him through the course of the day that banged him up a little bit. But there's no stopping this extraordinary athlete, this elite performer. I don't know if he's getting his proper recognition nationally. I don't even know if he's getting it locally. I don't know how many people around here see him as special the way we've seen other athletes over the years as special. Football can be a little bit different, a little cruel in that regard because your career is so much shorter. It's hard unless you're a quarterback to 
be around long enough to be viewed as comparable to, say, someone who would play, you know, 12, 15 years for a, a hockey team or a baseball team. That's really, really hard to do in football. TJ's not going to be playing at this level for all that much longer. That's just the nature of the sport. So what you're seeing now is is the extraordinary, is the elite component to his career. And it's worth embracing in every single way. Did I mention totally team-oriented too? Here's what he had to say when asked about his performance yesterday. Uh, it all goes hand in hand. I think um, anytime we can get splash plays as a defense, it's huge. And like you said, this is a selfless group. We don't really care who's making the plays. We know that we're capable of, of making the splash when we're punching uh, footballs out, fumbles, tipping passes, intercepting balls, all that stuff. Um, that's what we love to do as, as a defense. That's the identity that we want to have. And uh, like I said, they come in bunches, and hopefully we can continue to, to bring that splash and put our offense in great situations um, as we hit this stretch. Okay, and here's what he had to say when asked about breaking Harrison's record. Uh, it's a great accomplishment. I mean, it's a, a historic franchise that we have here, um, but there's so much work to do that I can't really stop and, and think about stuff like that. Uh, just finished a game, got a win, um, but it means nothing if we don't handle business this next week. So I've got to break down the film and uh, have a good week of practice and get, get to Kansas City. One gets the picture. He is, he's all about the result. Some people just say it, others live it. This this guy is, he's legit in every conceivable way. Whether or not he can continue to help compensate for the shortcomings of this run defense remains to be seen. Just having TJ and Alex Highsmith healthy or somewhat healthy and available on the lines helps close that gap to an extent, but the gaps literally are still there. And the challenges are all over. It's not just about the run defense. It's about the offense in general, which was awful again, arguably as bad as it's been in weeks, even worse, I thought, than Cincinnati. It's about the punter having yips or whatever's wrong with Presley Harvin right now. It's a real, real bad time for it. And it's about the Chiefs, you know. We've been waiting all season for somebody to step up and you know, claim the AFC favorite crown. Well, here they are, you know. Chiefs have won seven in a row. Patriots lost this weekend. Titans obviously lost. It's about the Chiefs. The Chiefs, by the way, are favored by ten and a half. That was the opening line last night. Ten and a half over the Steelers at Arrowhead. The challenges are huge. What TJ and the rest of the key members of this defense have to achieve is huge. I believe that 90 can ascend to that level because it's where he lives. I believe Cam Hayward can do that. It's asking a lot of this group, even if it's just on one side of the ball, to do that. It really, really is. When we come back, just one question. 
Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. And this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at lgkg.com. And today's J1Q comes from Joel Sliman, who asks, Dan, why did Mike Tomlin refuse to take a timeout before that third down play for Tennessee late in the first half? I'm not a football expert by any stretch, but it seems that this would be somewhat of an obvious scenario in which to call a timeout, especially since he used them twice on the final drive with 20 seconds left. Joel, I couldn't agree more. And I have openly advocated for the Steelers to hire one of those time management coaches. And the one offseason, you'll recall, where Tomlin was under no small amount of public pressure due to his his own curious clock management skills. Dubious, I guess, would be a better word. And he went through the motions by saying they'd hired an assistant coach who's also going to be able to assist in this area. Okay, well, what's that? Can you picture Tomlin walking around on the sideline, his headset on, and somebody from the booth says in his ear, now, call a timeout now. You think he's just going to make the T motion without thinking? Because that's what this would require. That's how this sort of thing works. You take the time management component of coaching away from the head coach. It's like having... Uh, coordinator on the side of the football that you never coached, meaning a head coach and his past as a coordinator. If you're a defensive type coach who became or ascended to head coach and you hear offensive plays going through your headset, for the most part, they're going in one ear and out the other. You just kind of accept them. You hear it. If there's something you don't like, you can override it. But it's not something that's being necessarily filtered through you. That is how it works with the clock management thing. And he'll, he'll never go for something like that. This is, this is a head coach who hires and or promotes coordinators from within because he knows he can control them. And he's been doing this long enough that he's anything but an outlier. If you go across the NFL uh, currently and even, you know, over the past two, three decades, you're going to find that head coaches have become very much accustomed to having their fingers in every pie. And as time passes, they become less and less trusting because they've been burned by more and more people. That's just how life works, really, not just NFL coaching. 
So you're never going to see Tomlin do that. Now, I'm not avoiding your question here. Why didn't he do it? Well, I'll let him answer it. This was what he said when it came up yesterday in his press conference. I was more concerned with stopping them than I was with creating a drive opportunity for us. I wanted them to make decisions on going from second down to third down uh, on time unless they burn one of their timeouts. They chose not to, and so the clock ran. Um, we can get excited about subsequent drives, but you got to get the stop first. And, and I didn't I didn't take that for granted. Okay, did you decipher that? Because if not, I'll give you the quick, easy translation from the Tomlinese on that. He's saying, I couldn't care less. It was not a thing for me in my head as the Titans were moving down the field. He's also saying... I didn't trust my defense to get a stop because they haven't been able to stop even mediocre to lousy running backs for weeks now. So all I was worried about was keeping Tennessee from scoring. I was not thinking about, and he pretty much acknowledges this, whatever could or would happen on the ensuing drive when Pittsburgh would get the ball back. And to him, that's okay. That's not something that a clock management person, no matter who, I mean, it, they could reincarnate Chuck Nolan, have him be the clock management coach, and Tomlin wouldn't listen to him in that situation. Because he's set in certain ways of thinking. He doesn't even see what you and I are talking about here right now as a flaw. I hope this, combined with his answer, answers your question as much as humanly possible, because this is really it. I appreciate the question, Joel. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one tomorrow. 